competing at a combined weight of 405 pounds. They are the reigning, defending, undisputed racing dudes, triple crown champions of the world, the magic. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Magic Mike Show. I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. The Magic Mike Show 440, Mr. Samich. Super Bowl huzzah! There it is. I almost said it, and I was like, that's not my line. That's your line, and that's fantastic. We're happy to have everybody here. It's, uh, it's Thursday before the Super Bowl. If you are interested, we will be definitely talking about that at the end of the show here. But, Mike, welcome back. Good to see you in your new surroundings there. Yeah, excited to be uh, be settled in here. Hopefully, we'll have the same house for more than a three-month stretch, which has been an oddity in my life the last year or so. Uh, if you took the over on three and a half houses when I was 39 years old, you would have hit it, and it would have paid a big number. So looking forward to being settled here. Fun driving across the country. Got to stop at a bunch of poker rooms along the way. Uh, it was a very profitable trip across the country, which was kind of nice. And now looking forward to getting into it here. we got a huge weekend. Uh, we've got stakes races all over the place. We're going to have a live show on Saturday. we got the Super Bowl on Sunday. I couldn't couldn't be happier to be back on West Coast time now for these sporting events, too. It is phenomenal that everything ends before you go to sleep. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. You, you wake up and it's on Sundays and the NFL season's like ah, some breakfast, some sh- some mimosas and the NFL starts at 10 a.m. It's wonderful. Um, you just got to make sure you don't have too much Casamigos. Don't have too much Casamigos the night before. Otherwise, you won't make it. Uh, we're happy to have everybody here. Tampa Bay down the First of possibly two times all year, we'll go to Tampa Bay. Uh, we'll see what Tampa Bay Derby weekend is like. Maybe something, uh, maybe a different track will be where we go. But hey, we are going to be covering, uh, it's the Sam F. Davis stakes for the Kentucky Derby, the Suncoast stakes for the Oaks. This has a chance to pay like eh, $30, $40, Mike, if it goes all chalk. I would just like it to be known that I did not pick this sequence. This is a magic decision. He picked this Tampa Bay sequence. Uh I'm getting a little kooky in my ticket because you got to try and beat at least one or two of these favorites if you want to try and make this thing pay. So you got to look at it as who's going to be the most overbet horse in the sequence or horses in the sequence. Try and get around them. Uh, definitely taking some swings here, but I, I think they're pretty logical swings as long as the race shape pans out the right way. So could pay a lot of money, could pay $30. Uh, so I would not go crazy on this sequence. Yeah, last weekend at Gulfstream, it went pretty much chalk throughout either first or second choice for all five races, I think. And yeah, it ended up paying, uh, I had an $81 ticket and it would have paid $97, I think, something like that. Very low. So, doesn't usually happen. Listen, we picked this sequence because this is what's going to get the most attention. If we picked the one that we thought we were most likely to win, it would be Sam Houston. And it's a track that nobody can even actually bet on right now, still, unfortunately. Yeah, I haven't heard on the update there. I'm looking forward to seeing when they actually announce that we can start betting races there. It'll be nice. And when they switch those post times to to a later time now, especially being out here on the West Coast, I mean, this is like peak time to be betting horses. You just have a couple cocktails, get a little Sam Houston late pick four, and I'm looking forward to it. We need it back. We need it back in our lives. <laughs> uh, we're probably going to need a couple of cocktails to handicap this Tampa Bay Downs card. If you don't follow Tampa Bay uh, regularly, hell, even if you do, I uh, usually need a couple of stiff drinks to handle this. But let's give it a shot, Mike. The Tampa Bay Downs late pick five on Saturday. Right is up. Mike, here we go. The first leg of the late pick five at Tampa Bay Downs Saturday, February 11th, race seven. The Minaret Stakes for nine older fillies and mares going six furlongs on the dirt. I went three deep. You 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 went two deep, and it's both horses that I used. Who do you want to talk about first? Well, I want to respond to some chat comments first. So I'm just going to do that and take us off the rails a little bit here. Yeah, uh, here Dr. we go. Peng, this is a polo. I know you're a doctor. You he don't said wear that this morning, too. <laughs> but real quick, that's a polo. Just want you to know that. Uh, Trish. The contest schedule has not changed anything there. So that is all still there, as is the Lone Star Contest later this year. Pretty excited about that. Slim, first off, man, I've been thinking about you all weekend because of your nets. It's been a wild trade deadline for you guys. Hope you like the moves. I'm glad you got rid of both of them. We'll see what can happen there. Uh, and we will talk quite a bit about the prices in the Sun Coast. I think that's going to be one of the hotter topics of debate. So uh, we're going to have to leave you hanging here. Uh, now, top pick here. Look, I love Caramel Squirrel. 
I really do. She's awesome. She's seven to five, though. And we're going to talk about prices a lot in the sequence as well, because it's tough to get around some of these horses. I am putting Karma Swirl the five on top. I think she makes the most sense in this spot. Uh, she's done nothing wrong, really. My biggest knock on her, the biggest question mark for me in Magic, I'd love your take on this. How often do you see a horse who's seven to five in a six furlong stakes race who's run 11 times in his, her career and never gone six furlongs? She likes to run yeah. second, too. Like, I, th th if you're going to knock Karma Swirl here, I think it's all about the distance and the goal. We talk about it a lot. This Karma Swirl in a 50K stakes race, going a distance she doesn't always run, is not the end goal for this horse. Mott wants to get her moving forward into the year, so if you want to take a shot against her, today is probably one of the better days to do so. I, I almost left her off my ticket. I respect the hell out of her back class and her ability, and you would think that a lot of those efforts where she ran second would be good enough to win. But you're right. The big concern is six furlongs. She's never gone that short before. So uh, it is concerning. She, you know, she does have that kick, but is that kick better when she's beating horses at seven furlongs when that's a tricky distance for a lot of horses to try and handle? You know, she's a seven furlong specialist. Six might not be really good enough for her. But, I mean, the fact that she was second to Goodnight Olive, you know, did get the win at Keeneland back in October. She runs well off of a long layoff, which is good. We haven't seen her since August. So, I used her, respect the hell out of the connections, but you're right. If, if somebody wanted to take a shot against a favorite, I think this is the one you target first. I'll disagree with that comment. We'll get into that later. Uh, but I, I do think if you, like, this is one where if you want to go, what I'm going to do is I'm going too deep with a horse that I think is kind of on the come up here that makes the most sense. If Karma Swirl gets beat, you logically have to think it's a horse that's on the front end, right? That someone kind of gets her shakes loose, is able to get up front, and she can't run that horse down late. I don't see anyone out kicking her from the back of the pack. So because of that, I went to the inside here with Drifaros on the rail. This is a really lightly raced four-year-old. Uh, she is a daughter of Kintheros. I like that last race against in the Gulfstream Park, uh, at Gulfstream Park, 62K optional claimer. Look, that purse was probably bigger than this $50,000 allowance purse. So it's not like this is a huge step up in class when you're looking from an optional claimer, up, up, optional claimer allowance race up into a stakes race. Because this purse is only 50K, that was most likely in the 60s, maybe even those 70s because of kind of the level that we were sitting at there. And of all the horses that have speed, I think she's got the most upside on the rail. She's got to go, which I think is a positive here. And she has improved every single start of her career. Now we're getting second off the layoff, second in a four-year-old season, logical improvement angle there. I'm hoping it's all systems go. She's able to just get to the lead and and run them off their feet here going six furlongs. And if not, Carmel Swirl is the one I think picks it up. So just one five for me, take a little bit of a shot with the six to one, one horse. Well, and the off chance that uh, we talked about on dudes who bet daily this morning that, you know, by, especially with me, if I try to pick a speed horse to be a speed horse, they don't speed horse. So uh, on the off chance that doesn't happen for Jafaros here, she proved two back. She can sit off of it a little bit. And, you know, they went really fast at Monmouth 21 and three, 44 and a half. But she sat right off of it, pounced, and that ended up being the fastest of those six furlong races that she's ever run. So uh, I'm with you second off the layoff. All good angles here. Um, I used, I did use Carmel Swirl as well. Like I said, I really respect the back class. The other one for me, and I think actually might be uh, the other speed horse in here, might be the one that beats Trafaros to the lead. That's the eight Olivia Darling for Jorge Delgado. Horses with grand motion uh, up until uh, the end of last year. One win, barely really any showings. Moves over to Jorge Delgado, six furlong optional claimer. Boom, we win with the career best buyer. We move up to the N2X at Tampa, six furlong. Boom, career best buyer. Both times running on the front end. That last time, Jaramillo was in uh, was in the saddle. She was on the inside that day. She is outside in this position that she was inside for her other race as well uh, that she won for Delgado. But Delgado was 23 for 57 at the meet. He's 40%. When I see that and the horse is five to one and could steal this on the front end, possibly, I'm like, I, I've got to use the horse. But I understand if, you know, five to one, if that was too low of a price for you. Um, I just have some questions about whether or not she can get the lead. And if she can't, I think she's in a world of hurt. I don't see her being able to sit off it and be able to win. All of her wins have come up front. She did break her maiden coming from third, but then was in the lead the rest of the race. So really just kind of in a duel, made the lead and never gave it up. Those buyer jumps are wild. And I mentioned how, you know, the, the one horse is kind of coming out of a similar race. You could even say it's a little bit of a drop in class if uh, if Carmel Swirl didn't show up in here. Olivia Darling is the other side of that, right? 25K optional, 32K optional. So we are stepping up here. And it's, it's a pretty sizable step up for a horse who wants the front end. That's what really kept me off uh, Olivia Darling more than anything else. Although, you know, if, if for some reason she's able to get loose, she becomes a lot tougher 
Um, the two I thought was a little interesting because my destiny has at least been able to sit off and win. You're getting five to one on the two, has a ton of speed. Gaffleon pick, picking up the mount. So I, if I was going to go a third horse here, I would use my destiny versus Olivia Darling. Um, but I, it's tough for me wanting to go three deep here if I'm using Carmel Swirl just because of the price. So it, it was one of those races where I, I didn't love any of the big bombs. I didn't like anyone that was like, you know, 10, 15, 20 to one. So I, I tried to keep it pretty lean here. Uh, and the two I was just going to ask you, Byrus, I'm glad you brought it up. This is the one I was debating. Do I leave Carmel Swirl off? No, that's crazy. But if I had, this is who I was going to uh, punch up. You like the improvement? Four straight wins, everything that you mentioned. Uh, TGAF getting aboard doesn't ride for Herman Wolenski very often. That's got to be a good sign as well, possibly. But uh, yeah, if, if you like the two, I don't, I, if you who's listening, I know Mike, you didn't use her, but wouldn't talk anybody off of using that one. Either let's move on. Second leg of the late pick five at Tampa Bay Downs on Saturday, February 11th. Race eight is the Pelican Stakes for 11 older males going six furlongs on the dirt. Pretty much the male version of what we just saw with the last race. Where'd you go on top? I'm going to go with another horse that's kind of an up and comer here. Give me the seven, uphold the law on top. Eight to one on the morning line. Michael Stidham, you got Pablo Morales taking them out here. Look, there's a lot of speed in this race. Uphold the law, I think, can sit off that speed. I like the fact that we've won three races without being in the lead in the first call. So you have that outside post that should get a good stalking trip, be able to pounce when you want to pounce, has shown the ability to pass horses before. This is a really, really lightly raced five-year-old. But when you look at the performances in the backlog there, there's only five of them to look at. Last time out of fairgrounds at a career-high buyer, 93. If you go back to the end of the three-year-old season, early four-year-old season, you've got an 86 and an 89 buyer in back-to-back -back races. That really validates that 93 number, because if you're doing that when you are that age, running a 93 to five is not something that that's unlikely. You could almost make the argument that if the horse consistently improves, that's what you should expect. Well, now we're getting second off a layoff. I think another step forward is pretty logical here for uphold the law who has tactical ability. So I'm willing to take a price here. I'm going to go with eight to one on uphold the law, the seven on top. I did use this horse, and then we both went three deep. We agreed on two of them. This is one of them, and I love every point that you made. The one loss got stuck inside of a four-wide pace duel. Not going to happen from here. If it happens, it's going to take a lot of work uh, on the jockey's part just to make that happen with him drawn so far outside. My top pick, the other one we agreed on, the five, Sibelius at nine to five. Your morning line favorite. Makes perfect sense why. You know, exits on really nice grade three win going seven furlongs at Gulfstream. Yes, he's cutting back, but unlike with Carmel Swirl, this horse is two for seven with two seconds uh, at the distance. So at least has proven that he can handle and win at it. Uh, Junior Alvarado rides back aboard for the last five races, three wins and second by less than a length in the other two. So uh, all good things. I think a very logical favorite. Did I miss anything that you liked? Uh, kind of cool horse. I mean, 17 starts, five wins. Four of those have come at different tracks. So four separate wins at tracks. Tampa Bay would be the fifth win uh, or fifth track that this horse has won at. Uh, it's pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, it, it, traveling around and getting the job done, too. So so fires almost every single time. A couple inflated numbers there. You have three, two 100-digit uh, buyers. I wouldn't necessarily say they should be if you look who ran second in those races with Mexican Wonderboy and Jackson Traveler. But, uh, you know, you still got to give them credit for being able to get the job done and get the win. My main concern with Sibelius here is the speed. I mean, it's going to be fast up front. And so it's just whether or not he's going to be able, where, where Sibelius is going to try and sit here to be able to get the job done. Would like a similar trip to uphold the law, where you're just sitting in second or third and able to make that run. Uh, it should be pretty well set up here. For me, I used a third horse on here. I used Willie Boy, the three horse, who I go back and forth on this horse all the time. There are races on the page to be able to win. And when I look at the last two, I'm kind of just going to draw a line through them. And I'll explain why. First off, the Breeders' Cup sprint, way over our head. All right, 35 to 1. Let's not even worry about that one. The next race was a state-bred 100K race at Tampa. Ends up running second. And it's a seven-furlong race. And to me, that seven furlongs is the key. Willie Boy has run 15 times in his life. Ten of those 15 have been at six furlongs. He is five for 10 in those six furlong races. He's one for five. And everything else. He is a six furlong specialist. When he's at six furlongs, he is always dangerous. When he stretches out to seven, you're going to see him fade a little bit in that last furlong. That's exactly what we saw last time. So I'm willing to make an excuse for that. And if he runs back to his best races, which he has run at Gulfstream Park, at Tampa Bay Downs, in these Florida circuits, he is right there with everybody else on the page. You're getting three to one. So I ended up with the three, five, seven here in the second leg. Can't fault you for it. Um, I went a little chalky in a different leg. Uh, you're taking the top two choices here. Uh, that was one reason I left Willie Boy off. Uh, I did go my third horse just to the inside of him, though. Paco's Pico, 8-1. to one. 
Rowan Crichton bringing this one over from Gulfstream, where he's been facing optional claimers. But not it's not really fair to call him optional claimers because no, two back it was endorsed, who then went off and won the Hooper Stakes. And then last out, it was Candy Man Rocket, who was already a grade three stakes winner uh, before he faced him in this spot. Uh, good efforts in both of those. Uh, wasn't the cleanest of trip two back, but that was also a seven furlongs. He's never missed the board at six He's uh, furlongs. He's got two wins, three seconds, and a third. Um, not exactly the six furlong specialist that Willie Boy is based off of his stats, but I think he's sitting on a, a, a great effort here. Tyler Gaffleone is going to ride. He's two for nine for the barn. And I love that I'm getting eight to one on this horse. I think, you know, especially if you look at who he's been facing, the odds he's been in those races, he hasn't been eight to one since Roman Crichton claimed him when he was still a maiden. So I'll use the two. Did you at least look at the two Paco's Pico at all? Um, I did not because of this. I believe he raced today, didn't he? At Gulfstream. I could be wrong. Um, oh, that, that would change things. I don't think yeah. he's winning on Saturday if you're ready on Thursday. I, I could be wrong, but I, I, I think he raced today. Anyway, um, I, I didn't use Paco's Pico just because, like, a wild stat of Rowan Crichton, by the way, 0 for 12 in stakes races over the last five years. Has not won a stakes race in the last five years. Um, interesting to see this horse go from Gulfstream here over to Tampa Bay. This actually kind of came up a little little more salty than I expected for a 50K. I mean, you've got Gatsby in here. We haven't talked about Willie Boy Sibelius. We mentioned Uphold the Law. You can even talk to No K No on the rail, I think. And we'll I'll, I'll explain why I think No K No is a little interesting here too. A lot of different ways to go. I think this is a pretty salty stakes race for this level. So uh, for just 100K here, I, I was surprised that you saw some of these horses show up. I, I guess, well, let's, let's talk about this. Like I mentioned how much speed's in here. If this thing collapses, who do you like? Because if it collapses, it could be a multitude of different horses that are able to get this thing done. <laughs> yeah, the I mean, the two I thought would probably have to sit off a little bit to get the job done. Um, you're right, though. It's there's it's who do you have? Do you think it's going to be the one? I think the one is the logical collapse. I could make an argument for the ten. I know Doc mentioned him in the chat, so we'll, we'll talk about the ten a little bit here too. Uh, but the one has enough speed to stay close and has shown the propensity to be able to close at both five furlongs on the turf and six furlongs on the dirt. Uh, you throw out the grade three Mr. Prospector where it just wasn't his day. I mean, it, he was in the four path, then went on the inside of the turn, and he broke out of the nine post, just not a good trip at all. So you kind of draw a line through that one. The races on either side of it fit if this thing falls apart. Those figures are good enough to get the job done, and he'll have the pace to chase. Going to have to work out a trip from the rail, but you get Jose Ortiz aboard, which is definitely an upgrade over who's been riding him. So if, if I was going to make a case for the collapse, it would be the one. I could see why people like the 10 as well, Gatsby. Uh, not necessarily as much of a collapse type horse. Uh, wants to be a little forwardly placed generally. Uh, and when he has one, has been in first or second in every one of those those calls. But is at least coming out of some seven furlong and mile races for the last five have gone that distance. You can make an argument. He should be able to close a little bit late. I kind of feel like Willie Boy covers Gatsby, though. I think he's a better version of him, especially at six furlongs. Gatsby, the uh, the horse who beat Golden Pal on debut back in COVID times at Gulfstream Park. I'll never... I'll never forget that every time I see Gatsby pop up. Uh, always makes me think of that. Let's move on to my third leg of the late pick. Oh, yeah, by the way, real quick. Uh, Paco's Pico raced about two to three weeks ago, Mike Ellison said. So um, he, he ran recently, just not today. So that's, that would have been a little, little bit too quick of a turnaround for him. Third leg of the late pick, five at Tampa Bay Downs on Saturday, February 11th. Race nine, the Suncoast Stakes for nine. Three-year-old Phillies going to mile and 40 yards on the dirt. Why not a mile on the 16th like the Sam F. Davis? I don't know. It's stupid. Kentucky Oaks points on the line, two of the top four of the five contenders in here, Mike. They're big Kentucky Oaks chances right now. Wonder Wheel, Julia Shining. Uh, I realize we're going to be taking different paths here because you're going Julia Shining and I'm taking Wonder Wheel. Make your case. Well, part of it is ticket structure, right? The first two legs, I'm using a horse at 7 to 5 on the morning line and 9 to 5 on the morning line. So I'm trying to find who I think is going to be beatable at the price they're going to be at. And that, that to me is the key here. Look, Wonder Wheel is your most likely winner in this race. However, Wonder Wheel is probably going to go off at 2 to 5, 3 to 5. I wouldn't be shocked if 1 to 5 is on the board for a while during this race because well, yes, Julia Shining's in here, and I understand you got half sister to mouth, or is it full or half to mouth that? Full, right? Full sister, yep. Full sister to mouth that, who we just saw you know, be a very, very good horse last year. But Wonder Wheel is just coming off a Breeders' Cup win. I, I mean, she is going to be bet off the board in this spot. And while I agree she's the most likely horse to win, I wouldn't set it at more than like 50 or 60%, right? Like, and let's say she's a 60% chance to win. 
if you're getting two to five on her and she's used on 90% of the pick five tickets and you think there's any chance she can lose, this to me is a horse you try and get around. And because of that, I'm not going to use Wonder Wheel, although I do think she's the most likely winner. I think she's getting bet off the board in this spot. I just don't want to have her on my ticket as what I consider an underlay after using two favorites in the first two races. Uh, I get it. And, and there, I know there's a lot of love, a lot of sentimental love for Julia Shining. I know some got to uh, got to see her before she ever, the world really ever saw her. He was there at Saratoga to see her on the backside. Um, all great points. To me, Mark Cassie is, just feels very confident about this horse. I was reading an interview with him and, and they've already got the next two steps mapped out for her. So uh, it, he said timing wise, they liked where this fell. And also if you think, well, why didn't he go to Gulfstream to debut or to, you know, a bigger track like that? Gulfstream had a seven furlong race for a prep. This is clearly a two-turn horse, and that's where he wants to keep her at. So uh, makes sense to me. I used her. We both agreed on the other horse we're using, and that's the eight ticker tape home, the other Mark Cassie in here. Uh, interesting that we both landed here. She tried two turns just once. It was on the turf as a maiden, uh, but that was at Saratoga where Mark Cassie only ever brings his best horses there. Uh, didn't work at Saratoga for her, but as soon as she got back to Woodbine, she's Ontario bred. Uh, Beat Ontario Breads by almost 10 lengths, going seven furlongs on the turf, and then almost beat the boys in the seven furlong display stakes on the synthetic. I thought both of those great efforts, and I love that Gallardo's going to ride her because I got a feeling she might, she's got to be forwardly placed. She might try and take this gate to wire, Mike. Uh, definitely going to be forwardly placed. I think you also have to go back and watch that Saratoga race, uh, the turf race that you mentioned. Uh, the only time she's gone two turns, be your best wins that race. Free look runs third, both good horses. The Rough trip day. was. The trip was awful for, for Ticker Tape Home. If you go back and watch that, note that she was also bet down in that race. She went off at $3.45 to one. It's about seven to two in a race with two very, very good turf horses for her second career start for Cassie shipping in. Not something, not, Saratoga is not a place you usually get bet hard. So clearly there's a lot of people that thought there was some talent here. And she was third or fourth path around the first turn, third or fourth pass around the second turn. And you know what you could not do at Saratoga on that turf? Be in the third or fourth path on both turns. You had zero chance of winning if that happened. On top of that, she was bumped at the break. Like everything that could go wrong for ticker tape home went wrong on that day. You got Mark Cassie, who has Wonder Wheel in here. We mentioned, you know, okay, last uh, last race, you know, the goal isn't to have the, no, the first race. The goal wasn't is Vermont isn't a 50K stakes. The goal for Wonder Wheel here is not to win this race. The goal is to get ready for the Oaks, which she is already going to be in. She's going to run in that race. It's just get her and move her along. The fact that you have ticker tape home show up for Cassie here makes the horse wildly interesting when you have Wonder Wheel in the same race. Now, if ticker tape home scratches, I may have to reevaluate this. I may end up singling one. <laughs> because if you take out that horse, all of a sudden the arguments against Wonder Wheel aren't as strong, in my opinion, because the fact that the trainer of a heavy favorite has a second means that that horse to me is usually a little weaker than, than the public is necessarily going to think. So I'm going to put ticker tape home on top here. I think you're going to see a really nice effort. And like, look at the sales price too. It's a $625,000 daughter of Magda de Oro out of a war front mare. Wonderfully bred for two turns. Should have no issues with the dirt. So I'm not concerned about the surface switch. And I mentioned this in the pre-show too, when we were talking with Aaron as well. Might do a little soup and sandwich when he came down here from Woodbine and was able to get the win in a Tampa Bay prep. So Cassie can do this with horses. I don't think two turns is an issue considering the breeding. I like the dirt breeding as well. I think ticker tape home at eight to one is really interesting here. Uh, outside of these two, uh, what about the Chad Brown horse? I know she's stepping up from breaking her maiden uh, last time out, but uh, he's getting Hector Diaz Jr. They're very strong at Tampa Bay Downs together. The six guns and graces. Any love for her at all? Not really. I mean, it would be a monster step forward, right? Uh, look, I, I realize he's sold for a bunch of money. You mentioned daughter, gun runner, has some early speed, but it, it feels like if Chad Brown thought this horse was all that in a bag of chips, you'd have someone besides Diaz riding him here. Uh, it just seems like this is kind of a backup jockey for Chad Brown. We'll talk about that in the last race in a second here too. So I, I kind of shied away from him. Like I wouldn't, I would be pretty surprised if he pulled the upset here with, with Guns and Roses or Guns and Graces. Sure, it's possible, <laughs> but you're not going to probably not going to see uh, Chad Brown. Uh, well, Soup and Sandwich won at Tampa. So it's a it's a fit if I'm making my argument that the eight's got a shot here. Uh, so I, I don't think you're going to see Chad Brown in the winner's circle here. I am going to use the nine Julia Shining. Uh, and I, I get the reasons not to. Uh, you think she's going to be over bet. I actually think the one's going to give her some value here. I think she's going to go off around three to one. 
uh, as your second choice in this spot. There's clearly talent there. She's a little bit of a grinder, which is probably my biggest concern, is that, that she's going to have to run into this pace and she's going to come from the back a little bit. But I thought she looked really good at both seven furlongs and a mile and an eighth. She kind of kicked it into gear. Saez is making the trip, knows her well. I'm going to give her a chance here. And again, I'm trying to get around Wonder Wheel. And because of that, I'm going to go to the two other horses that I think are most likely to win. And to me, that's t- Ticker Tape Home and Julia Shining. I'm a little worried just with the a combination of the post and the fact that she very much is a grinder, Julia Shining. Uh, doesn't have a turn of foot that makes you just go, wow, that was great. She's very much a grinder. Uh, I'm a little worried if she gets behind at the start. It might be too much for her to do in this spot. But respect the hell out of her. Was very excited when she uh, won her debut at Keeneland and then went to Aqueduct and won the Demoiselle. Uh, looking a lot like older sister Malathat. Not a bad comparison to make there. Uh, let's move on, Mike. The penultimate leg of the late pick five at Tampa Bay Downs on Saturday, February 11th. Race 10, the grade three Sam F. Davis Stakes 12. Three-year-old males going to mile the 16th on the dirt. Kentucky Derby points on the line. No Eclipse champions, unlike the last race, but you've got Pletcher in here. You've got Cassie, Mott, Safi, Maker, Gargan, all sorts of big-name trainers showing up. Where'd you go on top? I got a little kooky in here. Uh, I'm going to go with the six-horse classic car wash on top. 20-1 to 1 on the morning line. <laughs> Mark Cassie, we got, uh, we got Haramio who's picking up the mount here. I've talked a lot about how hard it is to go gate to wire on the synthetic. That's exactly what classic car wash did last time going a mile and 70 yards. And if you look at the time too, I mean, the internal fractions are really good for that synthetic course. They go 49 to the half, not that fast. 112 and three ran sub 24 second internal fraction there in the third quarter of the race came home in 139 and change. That's a very good time for that synthetic course, especially for that level. Now we're taking a big shot here, shipping over, Noble Bird stands for $3,000. This whole horse sold for $105,000 to Gary Barber. You talked a lot about Gary Barber, how he positions horses very well. It's interesting that they're taking a shot with this horse here. I think Classic Car Wash has a legit gate-to-wire chance in this field. Uh, there's some other speed in here that I'm a little concerned about, specifically the 8, who I think could cause some issues up front, and the 10, Dreaming of Kona as well. But I'm hoping that the six can either sit on the lead or right behind it and make a big-time move. Has one on the dirt before, so I don't have to worry about that. Has one at two turns, so I don't have to worry about that. It needs to take a step forward in a big way, but we're getting 20 to 1 on the horse. So I'm willing to take a shot when we're getting that kind of price. Uh, Classic Car Wash scratched out of the Gulfstream Park allowance that began the late pick five last Saturday, the one that went to Tappet Trice. Uh, when you and I both famously singled the wrong Pletcher. Oh, well, it happens from time to time. Uh, interesting that they scratched out from there, showed up here. Uh, maybe class relief, depending on what we see happen here, because Tappet Trice looked pretty damn good in that race. Chris Mayello agreeing on the six. Uh, I went too deep here. We agreed on my top pick, and that's the favorite, number seven, WNL at nine to five. If this horse is ready off the layoff, I think he's definitely good enough to do it. Winner of the Remsen Stakes uh, last December in Aqueduct in the slop. Uh, did have the more favorable part of the track than Arctic Arrogance, but Arctic Arrogance came back to run well in the Jerome Stakes, got second, and then now is going to be in the Wither Stakes on Saturday. So you actually might, I think you'll get a chance to see Arctic Arrogance before WNL, so you can kind of play off of that. But uh, he's the, the main target for him is the wood, but they're down here in Florida because this is where Gargan's based. It's a $400,000 son of good magic, um, who's 22% dirt route sire. It's pretty damn good. Uh, you know what? I think this horse, it, he makes sense. It's hard to make a case against him. His debut, he lost Instant Coffee, who is, you know, multiple greatest, multiple stakes winner, top five derby candidate right now, right? Arthur's ride was second. He's finally coming back. We haven't seen him since then, but a very highly hyped Bill Mott horse we'll see at Gulfstream Park on Saturday. So um, check him out as well. But uh, good horses, and then he wins two straight. Yeah, the one knock would be the buyer. I mean, I'm not sure we should have gotten an 890 in the Remsen, and that's going to get this horse bet off the board. But I agree with you. I think you have to use W uh, L here. It makes a ton of sense in the spot. Clearly the best horse going into it is whether or not he'll be able to kind of – if he runs back to that Remsen, if he gets a – if he runs back to a 90 buyer, I should say, he wins this race going away, right? So the question of whether or not anyone can improve – I use the 11 litigate here as well. Um, kind of lukewarm use here. Five to one. Pletcher Saez makes sense in that front. Lost to Cyclone Mischief in that that allowance that we talked about last weekend. We both kind of bashed Cyclone Mischief. 
Cyclone Mischief just ran off the screen that day. I didn't think that was validated. It felt like he was going to bounce off. It was the only time he's run with Lasix. That's exactly what happened. Neither of us used him in that race. Both of us got our boy home there on the outside. Um, this is a little bit better spot in my mind. I mean, that was a one-turn mile. I think Litigate is going to like every bit of this two-turn mile. You've got some tactical speed, but also some closing kick. I like that. We've been able to pass horses in both of our starts. I like that. And I like the fact that Pletcher said, all right, we're still going here that the plan did not change when you run second in that allowance versus saying, okay, we need to go back in and run another allowance. Now we're going to go right for Derby points off that. I think this horse wants the two turns when you go back and you watch that race. I think that's what we're going to get today. A little concerned about the 11 post, uh, but I, I trust the connections on this horse more than anyone else. I, I didn't use him. The post was concerning. I also, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of this horse. Uh, you look at who he was facing back uh, in Aqueduct when he broke his maiden index fun hasn't run back since then clubhouse needed two more starts uh to break his maiden fourth place was actually slip mahoney who just broke his maiden not, not that long ago um at the end of january at aqueduct got an 87 buyer missed beating tap at trice by a neck but overall the, he's the one good horse that's come out of there the other ones haven't looked too solid i can't forgive him for i mean i know cyclo mischief freaked like that but i also wasn't super impressed with Lydia. he was only a nose ahead of mr ripple there uh, Mr. Ripple, I don't know if he rebroke or, or litigate to me. I think just kind of fell off in the stretch. But he is, you know, with the breeding he has, you would think two turns is, is where he needs to go. So I won't knock you for that. Uh, I'm too deep here. My other horse, I'm going with a local boy. I've known about him since he broke his maiden because I posted the replay on our YouTube channel. Prairie Hawk, number two for Safi Joseph Jr. Uh, Safi, four for 10 at the meet with two, a second and a third as well. Um, Safi's doing fantastic. I talked about him due to bet sports or due to bet daily to, earlier today. Uh, he's 44% since the Pegasus day from that Sunday onward, he's clicking at 44%. He's doing pretty good. Uh, Sammy Camacho, the top rider in, in, uh, in Tampa keeps the mount here. He's proven it two turns twice on this track, which can be quite quirky. Um, I know he only beat three horses last out. Two of them were Pletchers that were pretty at the time, highly hyped and kind of fell flat. Um, the debut only beat four horses, but you know, if he gets to the front going into that first turn, it doesn't matter how many horses bind him. He's going to keep them back there. Yeah, if I used anyone out of that race, I actually would have used the five groove land. Um, if you go back and watch the replay, I mean, Prairie Hawk had got everything his own way up front, went a 50 half. Grooveland kind of broke out, was in the four path of early in the race, was two wide, three wide in the first turn, and, and ran up, got to the throat latch, just couldn't go by. With more pace in here and a better break from Grooveland, I think it kind of sets up a little better for Grooveland. However, Prey Hawk, two back, did not need the lead and was able to win, which I do think is important. The fact that he was able to come from just off it and get the job done. So if you're looking for a local horse, to me, it's the two or the five. I agree with you that the two is definitely a player here. If uh, WHNL doesn't show up with the best effort, I just don't generally like to take local horses at Tampa. I like to take the ones that are usually shipping in. And so that's what I, I lean towards. Uh, you had one. You went three deep here, right? You went, oh yeah, scroll down to get to the uh, the last. Oh wait, no, we did talk about litigate the eleven there. Um, Note is an interesting one, the eight horse here because he is also entered in an allowance race at Tampa on Sunday where he would be facing. We just talked about him, the Pletcher horse, Kings Barnes. He would be facing Kings Barnes and Cuvier in that race. So we'll see if he runs here or if he goes there instead. Uh, but uh, let's talk about the nine champions dream real quick. A horse that won the Grade Three Nashua. Uh, to get Kentucky Derby points back last November. Second in the Pasco, that was one turn seven furlongs. Mark Cassie seems to think that the two turns will help him out here, but neither of us touched the nine. I considered it. Um, I, I thought the horse ran pretty well last time. That was, you know, the, it was interesting because that's first time out here as a three-year-old. The horse sold for a bunch of money, justified tap it, very well bred. Gets to drop a couple pounds, but also is dropping Lasix. In fact, we ran, ran our career best number on Lasix is a little bit of a concern here. Should get a pretty good setup. Should be able to stock the pace. It hasn't gone two turns yet, but has gone a one-turn mile, including win the, winning the Great Three Nashua two-back. So I, I respect the nine. I had the nine as my fourth horse here if I did go four deep. I, I do think there are two interesting horses we should talk a little bit about here. Uh, the one Worthington and the three classic legacy. Did you look <laughs> at either of these horses? Worthington obviously bringing up a bunch in the chat here, um, specifically because this has been a turf horse. It's been a pretty good turf horse who now pops up here in a, a, a kind of one of those stakes races or a derby points race. And we talk about sometimes ownership groups get a little derby fever. You think that's what's happening? Or you think Worthington can handle the dirt? 
who was that Uncle Mo horse that Victor Martinez owned that Juan Avila trained a couple years ago? Did this at Tampa? It was like a turf horse and then came over and was like forty nine to one. I think won the Tampa Bay Derby. I can't. Somebody in the chat. I can't think of it right now. Oh, um, piss me off. I know you're talking about. Uh, yeah, somebody will get it real soon. Um, listen, I did think about it. I know that uh, Aaron Haltman did a preview for this at youtube.com slash racing dudes, and he thought that Worthington was definitely an interesting price play here. The big question is, can he handle the dirt? The breeding says yes. The damn sire is a Kentucky Derby winner. Classic Empire was, I think, favored in his Kentucky Derby year. Um, was a two-year-old champion on dirt. So I, it could be. Uh, I don't know if I see it happening, but uh, it's – there's a lot worse long shots you pick in this race. Yeah, the, the trip is going to be interesting. I think you probably have to go from the one post, right? I don't think you can really try and sit. So it's can Worthington take this field gate to wire? Maybe. Um, again, if, if it's King Guillermo, yeah, it's a couple people in That's the chat it. nailed it there. If, if WHNL isn't all that, I could see Worthington being a player here. I'm surprised we're showing up here, but if you're going to show up in a derby prep and taking a swing, isn't this a pretty good one to show up into and take a swing? Like it's, it's not a world beater of a field. There's a reason I'm going classic car wash on top of 20 to one. I think this is a beatable field. So if you wanted to use the one Worthington, I wouldn't hold it against you. I expect either he's going to run well or we're never going to see him on dirt again. It's going to be one of those two things. If he runs well, then, then we'll see what happens. But if not, this was clearly a derby fever experience experiment. And we'll move along. I want to bring up the three classic legacy because we've talked about Bill Mott the last couple of weeks and how he has been mm -hmm. absolutely on fire. Ran one, two in the stakes race we talked about last week in Florida. And the second place horse who was 20 to one, we talked about on the show because it made no sense why that horse was here. <laughs> it makes no sense why the three horses in this race either. Uh, so if, if you're kind of on the, hey, Bill Mott's on one right now, he's on an absolute, like he's been basically a year long heater in these type of stakes races. You're getting 12 to one on a horse that doesn't necessarily fit on paper. But Bill Mott thinks this horse fits in this race. The difference last week is that, obviously, Rocky Can was the favorite in the race. He still put a second horse in, one of the reasons we used yeah. him. This time, we don't have Bill Mott on the favorite, but we still have an interesting Bill Mott horse here coming off the layoff and jumping right into a, a, a stakes prep. Or derby yeah, prep. he's an interesting one. A couple a couple notes about him. Not only is it the, the winning jockey-trainer combination in Mott and Junior Alvarado from the Rocket Can and Holy Bull, also... Uh, jockey trainer that won the Pegasus World Cup with this owner, Bruce Lunsford, who bred the horse. And by the way, Classic Legacy, I have to art collect it, who won the Pegasus. So uh, a horse with a lot of, you know, beautiful pedigree, great connections here. But boy, that that race two back at Aqueduct or Backwaduct when he was second at the time, it looked really great. It's like, oh, Rudder's Men looks like a great Pletcher horse that won on debut. And boy, he just beat Classic Catch. And, you know, they were they both broke their maids next out. And you know what Classic Catch did after that? He ran third to Prairie Hawk in the four horse race. Like that didn't go so well for him. Classic Catch was one of those highly hyped uh, Pletcher horses that just completely tanked in that spot. Um, yeah. He's interesting. Slow time for that Aqueduct uh, maiden break as well. Uh, but I'm not going to sit here and bash anybody that wants to use Bill Mott and Junior Alvarado right now. I mean, A, they're hot. B, they're just, they're nice guys. We got uh, King Akona, the 10 horse, getting some love in the chat as well. Last time out was the Mucho Macho Man. Ended up getting placed first after a disqualification on Legacy Isle, who we saw come back and run last weekend. Uh, could be your controlling speed. Uh, has the highest time form number in the field at 114. Do you think Dreaming Akona makes the lead? Any shot for the 10 going gate to wire here? Uh, I think that I don't think the horse gets the lead. And I definitely don't think that um, even if he did, I don't think he goes gate to wire. Um, You've got there is a lot of speed, a lot of stretch out speed. He's never tried two turns, so he's going to be part of that. But uh, yeah, Legacy Isle, first of all, I, Legacy Isle was the better horse than Mucho Macho Man, anyways. He wasn't going to lose that. The DQ I thought was a little questionable. Uh, Legacy Isle is still trying to finish the Holy Bull. <laughs> he, he was uh, a little over seven lengths behind Rocket. He was fourth, he was seven lengths behind Rocket Cannon, fourth there. So uh, I didn't like that. You did have General Jim come out of that race, uh, he finished fourth and then went to the grade three swale on the uh, undercard last week and won, got a 90 buyer, but um, not one that I considered. No, I, if, if this was a, you know, a lighter race, if, if it had come out, how usually Tampa gets it, maybe I'd say he's got a shot here at a price, but the way this one turned up, I just think there's too many better horses. I love the chat. Dr. Tang, the split combo has been heating up lately. Next comment. I can't take Spleef. <laughs> you got to love the, the, the back and forth there. Uh, interesting. You do have the Spleef combo on here on the 10 horse. Yeah, I, this one wasn't for me. I'd rather take the one, the three, or the six as prices versus the 10, uh, Dreaming of Kona. But 
again, 12 to one in a race like this, which it's wide open. If WHNL doesn't fire, Hey, why not? Uh, heating up for the speed combo is apparently 9% at Tampa. That's heating up for him. So good. That's, if that's, if that's heating up, I'd hate to see uh, what ice cold looks like. Uh, let's move on, Mike. Fifth and final leg of the late pick five. And here we go. The only non-stakes race. We've got 11 and also the only turf race here. Uh, 12 main three-year-old fillies going a mile on the 16th in race 11. You've got a pair from uh, debuting from Chad Brown. You've also got one debuting from Christoph Clement, who could be interesting. Where'd you go on top? Uh, first, before we do that, kind of interesting stat here. I was, I was parsing through some of the first-time starter stats because we have some European first-time starters, Sires, Wooten, Asset, uh, for the five-horse and Kingman for the three-horse. Both of them are terrible with two-year-old first-time starters and phenomenal with three-year-old and up first-time starters. I thought that was kind of interesting with the European bloodlines where you have the three-year-old and up first-time starters doing significantly better, meaning they develop, take a little more time to develop versus the two-year-olds. Well, here we have two three-year-old first-time starters for Barnes that can get them ready and win when they send first-time starters down to Tampa Bay. I put the uh, five-horse financial advice on top here. Chad Brown, Irad Ortiz, connections are solid. Um, Klarovich Stables here. Uh, Wooten Bassett, uh, the trainer, or the, the sire on the five, I think it was 22% when I looked with first-time starters, three-year-olds and up. Uh, I'll double-check that stat when you're talking about yours. To me, the three-horse was the other must-use in this spot. Uh, liked Carilla as well. Christoph Clement, you've got Gaffleone aboard. Kingman, the workouts are good. Both of these trainers are good debuting at over a mile, something we talk about a lot where, where trainers struggle with that. Both of these combos, Clement and Gaffleone, 20%. Or Jose and Chad Brown, 30% together. So the connections fit for both these horses. And let's just be honest. Most of the horses who've started suck. I'm not really interested in many of them. So I, I feel like the three and the five and the 10 are going to be pretty tough here. I used all three of the first time starters for the logical parts. Uh, you were close. You had the right numbers. You switched them. Wooten Bassett, 30% with first time starters, three and up. Kingman, 22%, three and up. Still very strong, well above average. And uh, Kingman, a 24% turf route sire. Cirillo is my top pick. I flipped him. But uh, Cirillo is a full sister to a turf route stakes winner in Europe. It's a half to two more turf route stakes winners. Uh, one of them's by Invincible Spirit, who sired Kingman. The other one is uh, uh, like a brother to Kingman, also by the same grandsire there. So they're all from the same family is what I'm getting at. And they're all turf stakes winners. And Cirilla looks like she could very well be on her way to the fourth one. Clement, 20% with T-Gaff, 16% doing a mile. You talked about how good those stats are. Um, I went with both of those. Uh, next up for me, I went a little kooky looking for a long shot. I'm going to go with the seven in the no. And uh, it's a good thing I'm getting 30 to one because uh, all these stats I have, the last one's not going to be very good. But here we go. Trainer's stats. Second start maidens, 32%. First time turf, 31%. Dirt to turf, 32%. First time blinkers, 27%. First time Lasix, 29%. And with Jackie Daniels and Tino, 37%. What are you crashing down to earth, Mike? Yeah, union now rags, you have five percent. You have to make fun of yourself because anytime I use a union rags on turf, you give me shit for it. And now you are using a union rags on turf. Talk us talk at about thirty that. to one. At thirty to one, and the trainer stats. I'm hoping that all every single one of those good stats makes up for that very bad one. Because yeah, that union rags is what scares you. But uh, one older sibling to win. Uh, one at seven furlongs on synth, a mile on synth, a mile on sixteenth on turf. So was handling something that wasn't dirt and was able to handle going two turns. Uh, too slow to handle dirt routing on debut, but interesting that Delacour wanted to debut routing. Winner of that race is in the Suncoast Stakes. Within, uh, it's the Chad Brown horse that we talked about briefly. Uh, kind of watch what happens with that horse to see how you feel, if you feel any better about the seven here. But um, I, I went looking for a long shot. I think I've got at 30 to one, I'm getting a good price on a 5% Union Rags horse. Well, I'm, I'm checking real quick. Uh, so synthetic, we're 7% and 9% at least. So a little better on synthetic than, than turf, but... <laughs> Yeah, no, no, I'm, I'm hard passing in any union rags. You can beat me uh, even at 30 to one. I, I will see what happens here. I doubt you get 30 to one in this spot. I think the horse actually gets bet a little bit. Um, but I, yeah, no thanks on the union rags. I'm not, okay. not going to try and make a case for that one. I did like the 10 lovers rock a little bit here. Chad Brown, Hector Diaz jumps aboard 36% at the meet, kind of the backup rider or the go-to rider when no one's in town for Chad Brown here. Um, it's a homebred for Peter Brandt makes a ton of, well, a private purchase, I should say for Peter Brandt makes a ton of sense. Uh, three-year-old Philly debuting. We know that, that Chad Brown can get these horses ready. No, we can debut over a mile. And the fact that he's got two in here, I'm going short enough in other spots. This ticket's going to be $64. I don't want to get bounced by a Chad Brown firster. Did you use the 10 as well? 
I didn't, and it's because of the post. The posts 9 through 12 at Tampa going this distance are 2 for 47. They won one from post 9 and one from post 10. Um, I did not like those stats going this distance. I will say if they're two, 2 for 47. Yeah, what percentage is that? Uh, I don't know, 2%? <laughs> no, it's like 4.6%, right around Union Rags percentage of winning sires winning on turf, or kids winning on turf. Uh, did not see you going that way with it. Uh, there's a, a lot of things to like about it. Um, there's one older sibling to, to raise. Uh, I made five starts actually all for Chad Brown, all turf routes, two wins in a second, uh, was second on debut. Interesting enough at Tampa Bay downs and then one next out Hector Diaz junior 36% with Chad Brown. You were right. Actually, this is a, a homebred for Peter Brandt. White Birch farm is his, uh, breeding operation. Both Chad Browns are homebreds in here. Um, the other one being by Clarevich stable. That's his, uh, his, his bread and butter owner that's like you know that's his top one that he tries to win for so if there are any scratches uh especially if the five gets scratched uh i'll definitely add the 10 in here on top but it for me it was the post i just it's there they come out of that shoot you're going to be from the 10 post trying to swing way over and then you don't have that much of a stretch run before you're turning again i'm just worried about this horse getting too far back and or too wide it's fair enough um all right, so we, we kind of talked about the three first-time stars in here. You've got a plethora of interesting horses as well. I mean, I, I could make a case for a couple of them in here. You've got, let's see, how many? It's two from the Dutch Barn. You've got a Shug horse in here. You've got a, uh, a Grand Motion in here. When you got past the first-time stars, who'd you look at first, Magic? Uh, for me, I, well, I, I talked about this uh, seven. I like the six as well, and I think we both, yeah, we, no, you didn't use the six. I'm looking at a different thing here. Uh, I like the six here, Juniper's Moon at uh, five to one, debuted routing on turf at Aqueduct. Uh, a great point in here from uh, in the chat. Where is it? Where did it go? Oh, dude, I just missed it. Oh, Dennis, uh, you got a Galileo that they paid $725,000 for, uh, ran second first time out on turf, switched to dirt, didn't go so well, got beat by 38 lengths, uh, comes back here. Um, you're getting Camacho to ride. Sammy Camacho wins 39% of his mounts for Chad Brown. Chad Brown's got two horses in here. He's not on either one of them. He's on this horse for this barn instead. Uh, I, there seems like there's really high expectations. It kind of sucks that they had to come down to Tampa with her. They thought she was probably a bit better than that. But um, definitely, I think, is going to be a, a, a class drop for her as well. Do you remember Idea Generation? I do that, not. The horse that beat Jupiter's Moon in that debut. So do you remember the race where the tractor failed at Saratoga and they canceled the race? Yeah. Idea Generation was the favorite in that race. Ended up running second. Didn't run that well in that spot. She should have won, but she couldn't get by the first horse. Went to a stakes race, lost to be your best second time out, and then broke her maiden a short price. She's a daughter of Kingman, see the stars, one of the two. Uh, let's see here. Dubawi, that was it. $338,000 standing Dubawi. Um, I think she sucks. <laughs> That's why I'm not using <laughs> I don't think she's that good. And because of that, I'm leaving off Juniper's Moon, who ran second to her um, in that race. That, that really is the reason you'd use Juniper's Moon, right? Like it's you're pointing back to that turf race and saying, okay, idea, idea generation, Chad Brown horse, really well bred probably pretty good, ran in a stakes race. Well, I, I just don't think that she's that good. And so that's why I left the sixth Juniper Moon off. Um, I did include one more in here. I think the interesting horse is on the rail. Little Miss Moonlight. Uh, I'm kind of bucking a couple stats here. Timothy Ham first turf, 3%, right? One for 32. That's not great. Switching from dirt to turf, 20, uh, 1%, 4%, one for 24 as well. However, I would like to say this horse was never supposed to be on dirt. They actually entered Miss Little Miss Moonlight for the turf. So this is not one of your traditional oh, the horse was running on turf, now we're switching to dirt, or running on dirt, now we're switching to turf. The plan was always to be on turf. I think Little Miss Moonlight has a little bit of speed from that rail. I think you're going to see her very forwardly placed. I wanted to use someone who had run before versus just the three first-time starters. And at 10 to 1, I think she's really interesting on the rail, a horse that is bred to like the turf, uh, should be able to take a second, a step forward second start, Timothy Ham, 16% second time start, 14% first time Lasix, 18% routes. So when you get outside of those stats that he sucks at, that I'm going to make an excuse for, all the other stats fit here at 10 to 1. It's like my it's like my union rags, the number seven horse there. Yeah, but this uh, isn't a real dirt to turf horse. This horse was supposed to be on turf. This should be turf to turf, but it's dirt to turf because of the weather, not because of the trainer's decision making process. 
Hey, we're both taking shots. It's okay. Um, City of Light, uh, not a super sire when it comes to turf routing, just 12%, um, but he is pretty strong uh, in general. Uh, interestingly enough, City of Light, I'm just seeing this now, 0 for 19 uh, dirt routes. That's huh, that's a little that's odd. It, so it, you're it, telling me running be second in a dirt route is a huge, huge effort first time out for a City of Light horse. Uh, seven uh actually yeah seven of the 19 starters dirt route including this one got second that's interesting um i i didn't use uh didn't con i did consider briefly because that like you said you look to see oh they tried putting it on turf gonna switch it it had to be on dirt and now back on turf hopefully this time um i didn't use but uh yeah you're getting 10 to 1 and and hopefully you can buck that trend like i'm hoping to buck the union rags trend yeah, there we go. The, the two Sea Witch was also out of that same race, ended up running fourth, uh, did make the lead. You get size aboard. I think that horse was a little bit interesting as well if you're looking for a price. I uh, did not include that one on my ticket, but did think it was at least a little interesting. And then the 12 is the other one I thought we should talk about here. Grand Motion, uh, this is going to be a second time at Tampa. This horse debuted at Aqueduct, or Aqueduct then ran at Aqueduct. Uh, faced some pretty good horses in both times. I, I hate the post here, but I mean, I, I wouldn't be shocked if the 12, the girl from Ireland wins. I'd be shocked because of the post. I'd, I'd expect her to uh, run well. Um, boy, look at how she's drawn. Her career debut is 7th of 10. That's not too bad. And then 11th of 11 at Aqueduct. Then 9th of 9 at Tampa. Uh, again, post you know, 9 through 12, 2 for 47 combined. Um, just not being helped out with the draws. If she, if she actually was to draw it like from 5 post inward, run to the window with your hand money in your hand. I think she's going to finally win that one, Mike. And you actually bring up a great point. That might be a good horse to stable up here. If she runs well at all, just to see, and, and specifically in the notes, you can do this on Equibase, Equibase outside draws, right? Just put that in the notes. And then when she enters back in, if she gets a inside draw, you might be able to get an overlay price on her if she is running well. That's going to do it for this episode of the Magic Mike Show. Thanks for joining Mike and I to talk about Tampa Bay Downs, the first and possibly two times we'll ever come here this year uh, for the previews. Uh, but thank you so much for joining us. If you're uh, listening to the podcast, we'll go through our tickets one last time for you. Take a look down below if you're watching on screen. I've got 158 with 257 with 18 with 27, 3567. That's a $72 ticket, Mr. Samich. I'm going to play a $64 ticket. I'm going to go 15 with 357 with 89 with 6. 7-Eleven with one three five ten costs you sixty four bucks for fifty cents. If you are playing, let us know in the comments uh, in the chat what your tickets look like. Always love to hear from you. And of course, follow us on Twitter. I'm at Curtis Kellard. He is at some of them eighteen number one number eight. Corporate orders at racing underscore dudes. But you knew that, Mike. Let's talk a little bit of Super Bowl real quick before we get out of here. Uh, I, this will be our only time on this show doing it. Of course, you should check out Dudes Who Bet Daily. We're going to be coming to you Friday, Saturday, and Super Bowl Sunday at noon Eastern, nine a.m. Pacific. By the way, how do you like doing that at nine instead of noon? A little different. Uh, I'm pretty tired right now. I'm not going to lie. Uh, it's it's three o'clock here, and I am I am not wide awake anymore. So I'm going to have to get into the swing <laughs> of things. The workday now starts at seven a.m., which is, if you know me, I'm not a morning person. I am I am very much like to stay up very late and then wake up very late. So we're going to have to try to flip the script here a little bit, uh, moving to the West Coast. But is it like I said? I do love the way the sports have, sports are handled out here because you know what. I'm going to a Super Bowl party at a Sharky's, and it starts at 2.30. Pretty excited about it. We got a babysitter, man. Going to have a little fun on Sunday. Nice. Sharky's Woodfire Mexican Grill. Very uh, very good place to go watch some live sports. Um, the uh, – oh, shit. What was I going to say? Oh, the, the fact about you not being a morning person, that isn't true if it's the Sunday after Breeders' Cup weekend and you've got a, a poker game waiting for you. I've seen you get up and get going very quickly when that's on the line. I, I what, what man what, this uh, this year I was I was feeling it the Sunday after Breeders Cup I was I was feeling a little rough when I got into the car I don't know what time it was I left things behind I was a little bit I was a mess this, this year after that that Sunday but it was a lot of fun we had a, we had a blast there uh, so yeah Super Bowl Sunday here we got Chiefs we've got Eagles the line is now Eagles minus two uh, so full disclosure I've got a large amount of um, the Chiefs because of a future wager so I have not bet the Chiefs. I have bet the Eagles, but I did that as a hedge, not because I actually like the Eagles. If I was going to bet this game from the beginning, so if I had $0 riding on futures, give me the Chiefs plus the two. I, I still can't make Mahomes a dog here. I actually have more injury concerns about Jalen Hurts than anyone else in this game. Uh, if you look at his average depth of target, if you look at his uh, percentage above completion expected, both of them have regressed in the last two games back to what you saw last year from Jalen Hurts when he was in this stretch. 
I think that shoulder's bothering him a lot more than he's letting on. If you go back and you watch the fourth quarter of that Niners game, first off, you're a sick individual like me. No one should really have to do that. But if you watch the Eagles offensive possessions, every time he gets hit, he is grimacing, wincing. He made it, he, for some reason, was running the ball, got an 11-yard gain, got hammered on his shoulder and came up clearly in pain. It's not accurate with the deep throws. I, I'm against Jalen Hurts in this spot, and that's what lead, is leading me more toward the Chiefs than anything else. Obvious concerns are about the wide receivers, uh, but I'm still going to lay it with the Chiefs. And I kind of like the under, because if I have injury issues here in the Chiefs wide receivers, and I think Jalen Hurts is busted up, I think the under is probably more in play as well. I also like Gainwell over rushing yards, 19 and a half. I uh, gave out Sanders at 51 and a half on VEASAN last Thursday. I, that's no longer available. It's not like 62 and a half, something like that last I saw. So I, I don't want to bet Sanders at 62 and a half. The better number there was 15 and a half. Uh, I've seen so many people loving Kelsey. It's ridiculous. The world is on Kelsey right now. So I, I'm going to stay away from him. And the one thing I would say here too, one of the biggest mistakes people make in the Super Bowl is correlating their prop bets when they could just do something smarter with their money. So people will bet over Mahomes yards, over Mahomes two and a half touchdowns, over Kelsey yards, over Kelsey receptions, Kelsey anytime touchdown. All of that is generally going to be at a bad juiced number. So minus 115, minus 120, minus 125. You know what's minus 110? Chiefs team total over. You know what? If, if Kelsey scores, Mahomes throws for two and a half touchdowns, both go over their numbers. The Chiefs are probably going over their team total and you're getting a better price on it. So just just be careful with correlating all of your prop bets here. Uh, some stats that I found interesting. First of all, I, I told Papa Dude and Aaron this off air, but uh, did you know that whoever wins the Super Bowl will officially have more wins in that stadium than the team whose home stadium it is? The Cardinals went 1-8 and eight this year at home, losing to both the Chiefs and the Eagles. I was like, I, and I, so I started looking. I couldn't find any record of that ever being the case in history. And they've had it in the Super Bowl in Detroit twice. <laughs> Neither time was that the case that year. Uh, pretty wild stat. <laughs> the Gatorade pick. I got to try and remember here. I'm going to pull up what the odds are right now just so I Five can. Five to two on orange was my bet. I saw that. Um, so the Chiefs are an orange team, I think it is. And uh, the Eagles are, are lime, I believe it was. One team is, is lemon lime. One team is orange. That's what they've consistently had. I'd be surprised if that changes. So those would be the two possible colors that you want to bet. I think lemon lime, like it's yellow slash green, got steamed down too from like eight to one open to like the co-second choice of three to one, something like that. So those are the, the colors that they have traditionally used. Now, obviously, you can see some change for the Super Bowl, um, but those are the traditional colors that these two teams have used in the past. And it's disgusting um, to know that. Like, it's how far gambling has come. But like, you know the colors of the Gatorade that the teams have on the sideline. I like the under for the for the national anthem. Uh, it'll feel like it'll go its way over just because it's a country singer, but I will take the under on that. Um, by the way, uh, the under in the last uh, what the last nineteen Super Bowls, it's actually been eleven unders and eight overs. So uh, the public, I think, here is going to see two teams with high offensive potential. And no, you never see them score, especially not much in the first quarter, first half. Everybody's trying to feel each other out. So I think uh, the under is the way to go. Um, the last 19 years, too, the public bet the over. 15 times made the over the favorite they went six and nine so the public's betting the over here again don't trust the public on that and if you uh last note for me if you like the chiefs at plus two or plus one plus whatever if you think they win don't bet them to, to cover bet them to win straight up the straight up winner uh of the last 21 super bowls that had a spread of four or fewer the straight up winner covered every single time so if you think the chiefs are going to cover plus two plus three whatever take them to win that's my advice on that one. By the way, Patrick Mahomes, 7-1-1 uh, and one against the spread in his career as an underdog. Do you want to take Patrick Mahomes as an underdog? I kind of do after hearing that. We saw how pumped up that Chiefs team got to for the whole Burrow, Burrow head thing. If you think they're not talking about being a dog in this game and how fast they went from the favorite to the dog and using that as a, a rallying point, you're crazy. I mean, they're going to they're gonna be pumped up. One other bet I like. Over two and a half players to throw a pass in the Super Bowl. It's currently, I thought, anywhere from minus 110 to plus 105. Here's the reason. First off, two franchises and coaches that are both creative. They could, you could see a trick play pass. You could see Kelsey throw one. We could see multiple Eagles throw one. So I wouldn't be shocked if you see a pass scheduled. However, we also have two quarterbacks who are injured in this game going into it. All, if one of them takes a hit, Henny and uh, I can't and Minshew 
are both respectable backup quarterbacks they will allow to throw. I, I forgot it's Minshew. It's Minshew. We could have some Minshew magic in the Super Bowl. Everyone's NFL is script. Oh. The NFL is script. Gardner Minshew is going to be your Super Bowl MVP. That's the way to go if you're going to script this sucker. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if you see one of these two quarterbacks miss a series in this spot. Both are injured heading into the game. You also have played coaches that want like to run trick plays. I, I think the over two and a half is a, a pretty easy bet here. Well, I have two more Super Bowl bets. <laughs> I like that one too. That's a great set. If you want more stats and more coverage for the Super Bowl, check out Dudes Who Bet Sports. Uh, Aaron and Papa Dude gave out all of their prop bets. That's uh, that was live just before us. So uh, youtubecom dudes or at racingdudes.com or wherever you get your podcast, you can make sure you get that as well. Thanks again for joining, Mike. If you stuck around for the Super Bowl talk, good luck to you. Uh, we will be back with a live show Saturday covering uh, the Wither Stakes, the Sam F. Davis Stakes, probably the Sun Coast as well. It'd be a good time uh, until Monday when Mike and I are back for our, by the way, have a Derby uh, top pick. When we come back Monday, Mike, I'm going to warn you now until Monday, I'm magic. And I'm Mike. We'll be live Saturday too. Good. That's what I said. Oh, I, didn't, I, I was paying attention to my football. You're paying attention to the balls in your hand. I understand. We'll see you next time. Singular. The magic Mike show. Where you hear the experts speak. The magic Mike show. Tune into the show every week. The magic Mike show. You can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by racingdudes.com.